Welcome back to Instrumental. I'm your host, Bria, who's a music therapist who is here to make music psychology research more accessible and relevant to your everyday life. Really quickly, I wanted to let you know that I started a Facebook page for the podcast, so for the latest news and updates, you can head over to facebook.com slash instrumentalpod, and a like or a follow would be much appreciated, and you'll always be up to date on what's coming up in the future for us. But let's get into the episode. It is about a music listening topic that feels so intuitive that we may not be aware that we're listening to music in a certain way. Today, we're going to do a quick dive into how the melody versus the lyrics of a song can impact how we experience music and how individual musical elements we pay attention to can help us make more strategic listening choices. Keep listening to find out more. When you listen to a song, are you someone that tends to listen more for the lyrics or to the melody or the rhythms or, for lack of a better term, the music itself? I haven't done any official survey on this, but it seems to me that some people tend to pay more attention to the lyrics of a song, while others have the tendency to pay more attention to the music without really listening to the words that are being sung. Although there may be personality factors or environmental factors for which elements we tend to listen to, today we're going to explore some research that illuminates how certain elements of music influence how we experience the music itself. First off, our perceived experience of music is a combination of multiple musical elements being combined together. But, like, let's start with some terminology. What even is an element of music? For our purposes, an element of music is defined as a characteristic of music that can be changed independently of other musical characteristics. Examples of musical elements are things like the rhythm, the melody, the tempo or the speed of the music, the harmonic progression, the instrumentation, the style of the music, the lyrics that are sung to the music, stuff like that. And even if you don't have any musical training, you can probably understand already how these elements can change how we perceive music. There's one musical group I love called Postmodern Jukebox that does covers of popular songs, but often changes up these musical elements so that we hear the song in a new way. Take the song Oops, I Did It Again by Britney Spears as an example. Here's the original. And then here's postmodern jukebox's version of the same song. That is just so typically me. Oh baby, baby, oops, I did it again. I played with your heart, got lost in the game. Oh baby, baby, oops, you think I'm in love. That I'm sent from above. I'm not that Oh yeah. 
even though the melody is the same, the words are the same, the speed is more or less the same, that change in instrumentation, the way the rhythms are swung, this all leads to a completely different feel of the song. So the elements of swung rhythms and instrumentation were the musical elements that postmodern jukebox changed to give it a completely different musical experience. Now, there's so many musical elements, it's almost impossible to take every single one into account in an experimental setting. The studies in this episode try to compare the impact of just two musical elements, melody and lyrics, on our music listening experiences. This set of experiments comes from S. Omar Ali and Zara F. Panirkuglu that examined how lyrics and melodies uniquely conveyed a song's emotional content. More specifically, they were interested in whether either element was more dominant in steering the emotions we perceive when listening to music. In their first experiment, the researchers focused on the impact of lyrics and melodies on the emotional intensity of music. Participants included 32 students at a university who listened to 32 musical excerpts that expressed one of four emotions, happy, sad, calm, and angry. Now, the excerpts were made up of unfamiliar classical or jazz melodies in both these melodies' instrumental form or with congruent lyrics that express the same four emotions that the melodies expressed. So in this experiment, happy melodies were always paired with happy lyrics, calm melodies were always paired with calm lyrics, and so on. The researchers built their library of musical excerpts to control for several factors, so that listeners in their experiment heard a balanced number of music excerpts for each of the four emotions, those again were happy, sad, calm, and angry, a balanced number of music excerpts that were instrumental versus sung with lyrics, and a balanced number of excerpts sung by both female and male singers. So, if you were one of the participants in the experiment, you'd come into the lab and listen to all 32 excerpts. Again, half of the melodies without lyrics and half of the melodies with lyrics for each of the four emotion types. After each 20-second excerpt, you'd then rate on a 1-9 to Likert scale the intensity of each of the four emotions that you heard in each excerpt. So if you heard this... You'd rate this excerpt and give it four separate ratings for how present you heard the feelings of happiness, sadness, calmness, and anger, and then you'd go on and hear the next excerpt. After hearing all of the 32 musical excerpts, you'd then fill out a demographic survey, and that was it. You were done. From this first experiment, the results found that the happy and calm music with positively intended emotions were rated more emotionally intense when participants only heard the melodies. Interestingly, the same effect was flipped for the negatively valenced music. Altogether, this may suggest that melodies enhance our perception of positive emotions in music, while lyrics enhance our perception of negative emotions in music. So that's interesting in and of itself, but all the music in this experiment was emotionally congruent with the emotions of the melodies and lyrics always matching each other. What if that wasn't the case? Would our perceptions of the music change? In a follow-up experiment, the same researchers wanted to examine whether lyrics and melodies that matched or were congruent with each other influenced the emotional intensity compared to music that was mismatched or had incongruent lyrics and melodies. 
The researchers randomly selected half of the excerpts from their previous experiment with four melodies for each motion, but the excerpts were re-recorded so that any one melody was paired with the lyric content for each of the four emotions. So for example, version A of an angry melody would have happy lyrics, version B of the same melody would have sad lyrics, version 3 was singing about calm lyrics, and version D congruently matched the angry melody with the angry lyrics. This new set of 16 excerpts ended up having 12 emotionally incongruent melody lyric clips and 4 emotionally congruent musical clips. This second experiment invited another new batch of 32 student participants to listen to these new set of music excerpts, and again participants rated each excerpt on a 1 to 9 scale of their perceived intensity of happy, sad, calm, and angry that they heard in each musical clip. What were the results this time? As you'd probably expect, participants gave the highest emotional ratings to the clips that were emotionally congruent. For example, they gave the highest calm ratings to the clips that had calm melodies and calm lyrics when everything lined up. These results showing higher emotional ratings for melodies that were congruent makes sense, but some really cool stuff comes up with melodies and lyrics that did not match. The results of the second experiment suggest that melodies are more dominant in guiding our emotional perception of a song because emotional ratings were higher when the melodies were congruent and the lyrics were mismatched compared to when the lyrics were congruent and the melodies were mismatched. So if a participant heard a sad melody with happy lyrics, they were more likely to give that music a higher rating for sadness than for happiness. Again, if we apply this idea to real-world situations, it kind of makes sense. If we had a friend that said they were feeling great and happy, but they said it in a quiet, slow, maybe downtrodden way, we'd probably give more weight to the prosody of their voice or the melodic qualities of how they said the words rather than taking their words at face value. Taken all together, Ali and Paniculoglu studies suggest that the intensity of emotions we perceive in a song may be more influenced by the melodic aspects of the music than the lyrics themselves. At least when trying to figure out a song's intended emotional message, we're more likely to pay attention to the element of melody rather than the element of lyrics. Just to throw in my two cents, though, these results are just two studies and don't account for some of the reasons why we might choose to listen to music with conflicting musical emotions and lyric content. All the excerpts in the study were unfamiliar, and participants were only given four categories of emotions to rate. But we don't just listen to music to experience four prototypical emotions— Just to throw in my two cents, though, the results of just these two studies don't account for some of the reasons why we might choose to listen to music with conflicting musical emotions and lyrical content. All the excerpts in these studies were unfamiliar, and participants were only given four categories of emotions to rate. But we don't just listen to music to experience four prototypical emotions. Sometimes we listen because mismatched melodies and lyrics can give us a new perspective, or we might seek out a cover version of a familiar song that is completely different from the original because it shakes up our musical expectations compared to the song as it was originally released. If you're interested in learning more, I highly recommend checking out the full article. There's actually two other experiments in their article that I didn't cover in this podcast and results. So to find that link, go to the show notes at instrumentalpodcast.com.
The research we just covered explores the unique roles of musical elements in our experiences of music, but it doesn't nearly cover the wide range of reasons or possibilities of why we're listening to music. Even if we personally tend to pay attention to the words of a song or the melody of a song, there's no one right way to encounter music, of course. And when I'm doing my clinical work as a music therapist, the same principle can make it tricky to figure out exactly what music I should bring into session. Sometimes when I tell people I'm a music therapist, they'll joke that they need a prescription for music listening, like if they just hear the exact perfect song, it would automatically fix some problem, but the realities of clinical work are not that simple. The recorded or live music I facilitate in a session is really largely dependent on what my client's goal in the session is. Or to get even more nitty-gritty in specific, part of my job as a music therapist is to present music to my clients that prioritizes the elements of music that will serve my client's needs. If my client's having pain management issues and needs a diversion, I'll choose music maybe with a faster tempo and really familiar lyrics so that they can sing along and keep their energy focused on the music rather than on the pain they're experiencing. If I'm working with a client with very limited hand dexterity and needs to be encouraged to use his hands more, I'll prioritize instrumentation that's really expressive and responsive to even minimal movement, like an ocean drum, so that that client gets the immediate auditory feedback and a reward for moving their hands even an inch or two. If you're a music therapist yourself, and based on the other podcasts that Um, are recommended on Apple Podcasts. I know that there's a lot of music therapists listening, Um, so hey there. Um, So if you're a music therapist and you haven't yet, I highly recommend checking out Deanna Hansen-Abermite's article about the Therapeutic Functions of Music Framework, or TFM for short. The TFM presents this really beautiful framework for organizing why I'm using music, the research behind why particular musical elements can address that clinical goal, and exactly what the musical element should sound like. It, At least for me, it helps keep me accountable to my clinical rationale that will serve my clients best through music, rather than just choosing a song because I know it's really popular. For the rest of us, though, I think that this conversation about lyrics versus melody can help us suss out our reasons for why we listen to music. Although our vocabularies tend to refer to music as this single amalgam of organized sound, the research we covered today makes it a little more obvious that music is made up of many different individual elements. And even if we tend to listen for more of the sonic aspects of music versus the verbal aspects of a song, Being able to identify what we're listening for and why we're listening to a piece of music can help us be more strategic in choosing music for a context or purpose so that whatever music you land on can serve you better. I think I personally tend to listen to music with lyrics more when I want to feel validated in a situation I'm experiencing in my daily life. It's like I want the music to be a four-minute narration of my experience or a stage in my life, but I can examine that experience as something more external, something outside my inner thoughts. Feel I'm on the verge of some great truth Where I'm finally in my place Lyrics help me reframe or solidify my understanding of why I feel a certain way. 
But when I'm on a road trip and I just want to pass the time, I tend to prioritize the tempo or speed or instrumentation of a song so that it's familiar, but also has a lot of energy so that time feels like it's going by faster as I'm singing along in the car. When I'm doing work that I need to stay focused on, I'll often listen to something unfamiliar without lyrics, but with repetitive rhythms and melodies like this lo-fi hip-hop song. I feel like it keeps my work momentum going without me needing to put all the focus on what exactly is happening around me, and I also don't get as distracted. Um, So that music kind of helps fade into the background while I work, but keeps my energy up. We often make these musical choices intuitively, but if you're finding that you're getting indecisive or just shuffling through music without being able to settle on something that fits, slow down and try and figure out what musical elements are really going to serve the context of here and now so that you can find that piece of music that really, really fits whatever situation you're in. All right, a little bit of a shorter episode today, but thank you again for listening to Instrumental. All the research and resources mentioned in this episode can be found on our website, instrumentalpodcast.com, and I will see you next time.